Hey everyone, what's going on? I'm Coach Mike and welcome to this episode of the MindFit Method Podcast. All right, so today we are going to touch on a topic that um, it's something that bothers me a great deal and, and honestly it's something that might surprise you because believe it or not, STEM education this year in 2022 turns 21 years old, which I know that sounds incredible and amazing and you would think after 21 years of teaching STEM, that we would have it down pat, that kids would be learning all the amazing worlds of STEM and the different disciplines inside of STEM that they need to learn. And unfortunately, that is nowhere near the case. In fact, uh, in most school districts across the country, STEM education is actually failing. And the reasons for it will probably shock you. So the giant question is this. How do we, as parents, teachers, school administrators, policymakers, coaches, how do we prepare our kids for a future that doesn't yet exist? All while making them healthier, more creative, more innovative, better problem solvers, and overall successful contributors to society. That is the question, and this podcast has the answers. My name is Coach Mike, and welcome to the MindFit Method Podcast. Okay, so before we get too deep into this, I do want to say this. I have visited school districts uh, in different parts of the country that truly do have amazing STEM programs. And I visited a lot of districts that have some amazing makerspaces or amazing STEM labs. But don't confuse the idea of having a makerspace or having a STEM lab with actually having a STEM program. They are two very different things. And I'm going to give you the number one reason to start as to why STEM education is failing in the United States. And the reason is that because teachers don't know STEM. And I know that sounds absurd, right? It just sounds something that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But it's actually very true. And there's two ways that I want to kind of highlight to this to you of two ways that I've experienced just how bad this has gotten. And the first one is actually a story uh, something that happened to me several years ago when I first opened the first location of MindFit. So I um, had opened the location. I was open for a couple of months. And one of the things that I was noticing was that school districts were starting to reach out to have me do professional development for teachers in their school because they did not understand the world of STEM. And so I began doing this. And one day, um, a local principal at one of the local high schools who I actually knew, full disclosure, I went to high school with him, um, gave me a call and said, Mike, you know, I was hoping you could help me out with something. I um, don't know if you saw it or not, but we hired a, um, a brand new STEM teacher and we have built an amazing 21st century uh, learning center. And the STEM teacher is really excited. She's so you know, enthusiastic. I think she's going to be great. There's just one thing. I'm wondering, what is the one thing? And his one thing was that he said, the only thing is that she doesn't know anything about STEM. Now think about that for a minute. If that was the case in any other subject in school, if it was the case in math, could you imagine a school district hiring a math teacher that didn't know how to do math? Or could you imagine hiding or hiring a uh, English teacher who couldn't speak English? It doesn't make any sense, right? Yet, for whatever reason, in the United States, we are hiring and 
kind of forcing teachers into the world of STEM, and they have no idea how to teach it. They have no knowledge base of it. They don't know how to code. They don't know 3D printing. They don't know robotics. Um, and that is a true story. Um, and I remember saying to him, you're kidding me. Like, how do you hire a STEM teacher that doesn't know STEM? And I'll never forget his response. His re- response was, but Mike, understand, nobody does. Teachers are not graduating with their teacher certificates about with STEM. And if they do get some type of STEM certification in addition, it is more about the theory of STEM. It has nothing to do with actually having the knowledge base of how to code, how to 3D print. They have no idea. And we actually made a joke that day. and We said, you know, in many school districts, the one day of the year that the 3D printers in the STEM lab are the most used is usually on back to school night. But it's not something that the students actually design. Instead, it's actually something that was a demo that you just push a button and it prints out a small cat or it prints out a small boat or something like that. And that's really, really troubling because, you know, 21 years ago, it was identified by a group of scientists that these specific areas really, really needed work. Um, These were things that our economy was seeking and that our workforce was going to need to know, these specific areas of STEM. And what's happened, unfortunately, is we've done a lot of theory on STEM. Um, We've done a lot of things to kind of make it sound like we know what we're talking about. But in fact, we actually don't. Um, So that is number one. The teachers don't know STEM. And I'll tell you, um, I am part of many Facebook groups for STEM teachers all over the country and all over the world, really. And seeing the posts from the teachers on these groups is heartbreaking. Because let's be honest, this is not the fault of the teachers. Okay, let me be very, very clear on that. I am not blaming teachers for our STEM crisis, but I'm blaming our higher education system for not preparing our teachers to be able to overcome this STEM crisis. And the posts on these Facebook groups, I mean, literally, the day before school starts, I will see teachers post that say, I just found out I'm teaching STEM. Does anyone have a week of lessons they can give me? I'll take anything. I'm desperate. And I see these every single day. People are posting these things. It is so wrong. We've put our teachers at a handicap on a topic that is so, so important. Now, that's number one. That's the first reason why why STEM is failing in the United States. Number two is that we are actually diluting the importance of STEM by adding additional subjects to it. And here's what I mean by this. When STEM first came out, and STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math, STEM was, um, you know, it was a huge buzzword, right? It still is to a point a little bit, but it was a huge buzzword. And then after a short amount of time, people were realizing that they didn't have the knowledge base to be able to keep their subjects in the disciplines of science, technology, engineering, and math. So they made a decision and they added arts to it. That's when STEM became STEAM. So all of a sudden we added arts, we added an additional subject because we didn't have the knowledge base to teach the original four. And it didn't take long after that to say, oh, you know what? Even with that, we still don't have enough to go and try to meet core curriculum standards. And this is another topic I'll get to in a minute as to why STEM is failing. But after that, they decided to add an R to it. So now STEM, which had already become STEAM, now became STREAM. So now we added reading to it. Why are we writing, or I'm sorry, 
why are we adding reading to something that kids should already be doing anyway? So now you're adding reading to STEM. Why are you doing that? Again, you're diluting the original topics. Now, add to that, as of today, this is 2022, I have even heard STEM now being morphed into a new um, word, I guess you could say, and the new word is hamster. So now you're adding humanities to science, technology, engineering, math, arts, and reading, and now they've come up with the word hamster. Guys, we need to stop creating acronyms for what we should be teaching, and we should be teaching kids what they need to learn and teaching kids how to do these things. That is an entirely um, different problem that we have to address the world of STEM because STEM does not have the same requirements that some of these other core classes do. And that creates another problem. You're not having your best of the best teaching the things that society is saying is the most important. So that's another problem. And I was kind of said this before, but also the difference between learning about things and learning to do things. I used to see this quite a bit um, at MindFit when people would come in. I'd have a mom and her son or a dad and her son or daughter come in and they'd say, oh, you know, um, my child wants to be a, a game programmer. They want to, you know, build video games and they love coding. They love all this stuff. They took a coding class. So I would ask the kids, I'd say, that's awesome. So tell me, like, what, what type of coding have you done? What platform have you used? And they'd look at me with this like blank stare. And I'd say, okay, well, you know, have you done scratch coding? Have you done um, code.org? Like, where are the different worlds that you've actually done uh, different types of coding? And every once in a while, they would actually come out with an answer. But when you sat them down in front of a computer, they amazingly enough didn't know how to code. So they took coding classes. Some of them even had coding in school. But then when you sit them down and say, okay, can you code something for me? They couldn't. So that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. We're teaching kids about things. We need to teach kids how to do things. It's two completely um, different worlds. And, you know, again, you don't want to just say, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. My dad always told me, don't come to me with a problem unless you have a solution uh, in mind that we could try to use to solve the problem. So how do we fix this problem with STEM? And I'm going to tell you there's a couple things we need to do. Because of all of this, the, the core curriculum stuff, trying to build it into curriculum, um, you're trying to you know, uh, dilute the actual topics of STEM, the first thing we need to do is to take the school out of STEM. And I don't necessarily mean take STEM out of school, although that would work as well, but you need to take school out of STEM. Because if we do that, right now, STEM has been, and I've, I've kind of coined this phrase, edufied, right? We took which should be project-based organized chaos, which is what coding and all of those uh, STEM-based worlds should be. And we've kind of made it a normal, structured world. And I actually watched this happen in my kid's school district. Um, I watched a young STEM coach that was given free reign to be able to just create something amazing. In fact, the main primary job title of this uh, STEM coach in the school that was given to them by the superintendent was Innovate Daily. Can you imagine that? Just having something that says Innovate Daily. It's incredible. Decks that came out of that class were incredible. I remember my kids coming home one day and um, you know, they were working on trying to solve worldly problems. 
Now, when I say kids, I don't mean seventh and eighth graders. I mean second, third, and fourth graders, really young kids. And here was the problem they were dealing with. They were, dealing, they were looking at the uh, mosquito nets that were used in like, places like Africa and how the clips of the mosquito nets, when you push the clips into the walls of um, the homes, which are often made of clay, they would actually create holes in the walls and you guys end up getting more mosquitoes in. So their job one day was to sit down and let's try to come up with a better clip that could be used to try to solve this problem. And then you're going to design it in a 3D uh, environment, and then we're going to actually 3D print them and see if they work. That's an amazing form of STEM. In MindFit, we covered so many different areas of STEM. We covered coding. We covered 3D printing, uh, 3D design. We covered hydroponics, aquaponics, drones, green screen, electronics, mechatronics, robotics. There are so many different areas of STEM that we can touch on. Uh, So it's not to be, there's no reason to have to dilute it, um, but we're going to have to take, you know, the school out of STEM. We need to focus less on the standards and less on the curriculum and more on what are kids learning? What are they learning to do? And actually, are they getting to a point where they can start to do these things on their own? Now, let's be honest. One of the most intimidating things to do as a teacher when it comes to the world of STEM is to actually teach STEM because we are so nervous that the kids are going to know more than we are. And in some cases, guys, I'm just going to be honest with you, they are. They are going to learn more. But again, don't just focus on what they do know or what they don't know. Let's work towards solving problems. You know, one of the amazing things about the design engineering program at MIT is that it's all about solving problems. Um, It's not just about, okay, here's the curriculum. It's, okay, you have to build this and let's figure out how to build it. And that was one of the amazing things I saw um, in the world of STEM, whether I was teaching uh, after-school STEM uh, to school students or even to homeschool students that really didn't have a whole lot of exposure previously to the world of STEM. When you tell them they have to, have a, they have to solve a problem and you, give that, you lay that problem out in front of them and say, okay, guys, what are the different ways that we can solve this problem? And I'm going to give you a really uh, true example of, uh, of someone who had this. And she was, um, her name was Molly. She was a student at MindFit. And I used to tell the kids all the time, come in with a problem and let's see if we can solve it. And sometimes their problems that they came in with were so big and they were worldly problems um, that, you know, we would try to touch base on how do we start to learn how to do this or how to do that. Um, You know, I had a child come in one day and say they wanted to solve world hunger. And, you know, we then dove into the world of hydroponics to be able to show them how we could grow more food with less water. But on this day... Um, Molly came in and she had a very serious problem. Her mom's birthday was coming up and her mom loved white roses. And every year her dad got her mom white roses for her birthday. But after a week or so, a week or two, she's like, I would get so upset because they would get icky. That was the word she always used, icky. She said, they get all icky, they turn brown and the leaves would start to fall off. And it was just terrible. So Coach Mike, I want to figure out how to grow a rose that will never die. Now, (laughs) you can imagine my face when she said that. I was like, okay, well, um, I see what you're trying to do. And she wanted to use the hydroponic towers to figure out how to grow a rose that would never die. And I said, well, unfortunately, we don't have the technology to do that. But what else could we do? 
And at first she was so frustrated. You could just tell she was like, oh, I can't believe I can't, you know, grow a rose that will never die. So I watched her process. I watched her thinking process. And she kind of went from, oh, I can't do this to, oh, well, I guess I'll just make a picture of a rose on a computer. I was like, well, I think we could do more than that. What else could you do to, you know, really try to solve your problem? And she got... She almost got a little flustered with me. She goes, well, you know, Coach Mike, it's not like I can 3D print a rose and then suddenly you saw the light bulb go off. And she goes, Coach Mike, can I 3D print a rose? I said, you absolutely can. But first, you have to learn how to 3D design one. So she instantly sat down at the computer. She opened up Tinkercad and she started designing. And her original designs, um, yes, they were a disaster. And she knew it too. They just weren't what they had to do. But I watched her engineer the process. So one of the things she realized that the stem and the flower head were going to need to be two different parts. So first she created a really simple stem, and then she added a stem with some leaves. And she said to me, Coach Mike, can we print this part of the stem in green and then print the flower part of the stem in white? Now you have a white rose. Absolutely. And she spent so much time working on those petals to really try to make the petals great. And in the end, she took an extra step and her grandmother gave her an essential oil. I believe it was of rose hip, rose hip, something like that. And she sprinkled it on the top of the uh, 3D printed rose. So now her mom had a rose that would never die, right? And it smelled great. Now, it didn't perfectly solve her problem the way she thought it was going to be solved, but she was able to solve her problem. These are the types of things. This is how we get kids to learn. Um, even in the world of coding, you know, when I uh, would try to teach the four quadrants of a graph, right? Um, I would teach this to children as young as kindergarten. And I would have math teachers come into MindFit and look at the board and I've got the four quadrants of a graph on a board. And they're like, are you teaching that to first graders or second graders? And I'm like, yeah. Then I'd have math teachers come in and say, I can barely get my fifth graders to learn this. How are you teaching them these things at such a young age? And then I would show them a TV and I'd say, because a computer monitor or a TV is the four quadrants of a graph. And if you want to code a character to move right across the screen, in order to do that, you have to increase the X variable. If you want them to move left across the screen, you need to decrease the X variable. And if you want them to jump or go high, you have to increase the Y variable. And you just watch it like, oh my God, this is amazing. But now you're teaching a core fundamental of math and graphing to kids by utilizing coding because it's something that they want to do. So we've got to move away from just the curriculum approach of STEM and we've got to move more into a project-based and again, organized chaos world to really be able to have that impact of STEM. And don't be afraid to teach STEM. Seriously, when I started MindFit, and this is an honest to God truth, I had never coded before. I shouldn't say that. Let me take that back. I coded Pascal and Fortran when I was a junior and senior in high school. And I'm now 46 years old, so that was a really long time ago. Um, I had not coded. I had never 3D printed anything. I had never 3D designed everything. I had never grown anything in hydroponics. I had never built a robot. I had never even flown a drone before I opened MindFit. I self-taught all of those things. Because remember, being an expert today is really about knowing 20% more than 80% of the population. And I mean, let's make a joke for a second, but on Facebook, everyone thinks they're an expert in everything. So it's just a matter of harnessing and saying, you know what, I'm going to teach kids how to code. We can do this. And if you can't do it, 
you can use programs like MindFit, whether it's in a school district, an after-school program, or even if you have a um, a uh, you know gym type situation, you could bring MindFit into your world. Um, it, it's there's so many things that we can do, but let's solve problems. Let's just not follow curriculum. Uh, guys, I hope you've liked this episode. Um, we are getting ready at MindFit to launch um, two different worlds of STEM. So first, we are getting to ready to launch our MindFit homeschool program, which we are very, very excited about uh, to be able to reach students all across the United States that are being homeschooled. And in addition, we're getting ready to launch our MindFit education program, where we are going to actually partner with school districts to bring MindFit into their schools. So there's a lot of exciting things going on. And more than anything, I can't wait for you guys to hear next week's episode of the MindFit Method podcast. I have a very special guest on. His name is Michael Berghofer. He is um, an incredible uh, business owner, entrepreneur, athlete, uh, dad, um, husband. He's just an amazing guy all the way around. And when you hear some of the things he talks about when it comes to creating young entrepreneurs, when it comes to um, developing businesses and a different way to teach kids today, and how he also incorporates fitness into his drive of the success of his business and being creative and innovative, it ties in perfectly with our world of MindFit. So I hope you guys appreciated this episode. If you did, share it with a friend. Um, Every time that you share what we're doing here at MindFit, um, it helps us spread our message to everyone everywhere to help them create stronger minds and smarter bodies. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Till next time.